Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pliqueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and I cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener. And with no further delay, let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, the only podcast that knows how to kick the shit out of Spurs. That's right. I'm not even going to hold back, Nick. I am ready wow. to go. Straight out the gate, Brandon, your new powder keg. I, I relinquish my title, sir. As, as you reminded us today, we were the dummies that went last year, the first time we had lost in about 26 years. It no, no, felt- no. Tw- 29 years. We have we have lost one time in 29 years. Most of us are early 30s, and it was the time that we went because that's how it works. So, because of said unfortunate events, I'm going all in on this one, Dan. I'm making up for lost time. Yeah, you know, last time we had a chance to watch you know Tottenham play against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and we were there. We lost, and we had to get drunk and. We were sad about the result, but we were happy we were amongst friends. And today we're sad we're not amongst friends to be happy and celebrating the results that is extremely positive. Yeah, this one was good. It was fun. And I'll get into kind of my uh, own personal predictions in a little bit. But 
Uh, unfortunately, no iTunes reviews. I get it though. Short week probably caught you off guard. Anyways, we can just celebrate together the Spurs bottle job. And from a Patreon side, Brad and Mark Bernard getting a special shout out for jumping from three to five. Go get on the forums, go get on Discord and come hang out and and just chat because I can tell you today was a fun day being on that Discord <laughs> server. Uh, here's a little tease from it. Pablo underscore Tescobar putting in there, how is Nick going to celebrate the Blues tearing Spurs a new one today? We all know he hates them with a particular passion. Laughing, crying emoji. Uh, I, I celebrated by continuing to work uh, at my job. <laughs> he actually so. smiled, though. <laughs> Yeah, I gave a, a, a smirk, a grin even. Uh, no, I, I I love hating Spurs. I, I particularly love hating Arsenal uh, due to the elitism that Arsenal shows. But Spurs is a close second, and uh, yeah, it was it felt good today, Dan. It felt like a felt like a momentous uh, occasion. Yeah, I'm not going to step too much on the content of the show that will follow this, but this was the kind of statement result that you wanted to see after going 120 minutes and two penalties against Manchester City knowing what the reporting had been saying about Mauricio Sarri's future Chelsea and in terms of a direction for the remainder of the season I think we may have been given a little bit of a sneak peek on how we might change our strategy just a touch to to get it over the line here and give us that flexibility to really push for a top four finish and maybe go a little bit deeper in Europa League than we thought. So all positive stuff. And I think Brandon, this is putting us in a a fucking happy mood, man. Like I am, I'm overjoyed right now. You know, and we're going to run with it. Obviously Uh, big underscore national discord asking was saying one thing to the media and doing something else, a smokescreen tactic by sorry. I mean, Dan, Obviously, as the PR media tactician of the podcast, clear smokescreen, <laughs> okay. clear, obvious, look at this shiny thing, and then you pull it and sneak by them on the other way. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably watched Mad Men the most out See? of this podcast group, See? so clearly... Uh, I understand both drinking, day drinking during work is probably something I could give advice on and PR media relations. So what I would say there is that, yes, Mauricio Sarri, you know, was the photographer with the kid in front of him where he waved the rattle above so that the noise distracted them and then immediately took the photo. Did a great job. Stupid Spurs. Should have seen it coming, but they didn't. So let us go ahead and jump into this match review. It was Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge this past Wednesday, February 27th. Scoreline, Blues 2, Spuds nothing. Uh, We didn't really do score predictions, so if you got it, high five yourself, give yourself a pat on the back, whatever you got to do. But Dan, the big headline walking into this one was the lineup. Yeah, you know, uh, we thought that uh, new Chelsea manager Kepa Risa Balaga might select himself Rude. in the player-manager capacity. And, uh, you know, it actually turns out he wasn't the manager. That was just a Wikipedia update I read that was incorrect. Crazy. Uh, Caballero goes in between the sticks. Kepa does get one week of wage fine, which is actually being donated to the Chelsea Foundation or the Chelsea charities that they support. Uh, Kepa was 
kept on the bench, Caballero gets a chance to actually play. Uh, so his number didn't have to come up and he didn't have to wonder if he'd actually make it out into the pitch. He got the start. As Blaqueta, Rudiger, Luis, and Alonso are the starting back four. So we see three of the four being individuals who played the 120 minutes in the weekend. We saw Jorginho, Conte, and Kovacic as our midfield three. Pedro, Higuain, and Hazard lined up at the top. And then we saw Christensen, Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi, William and Giroux round out the substitute bench. And I think all in all, given the fact that we were going to have a lot of ro- some rotation with the 120 minutes played with the weekend, Nick, I still think that this was the lineup I was expecting, um, you know, with Kepa being the only one that was the really big question mark heading into this match for me. Yep. This is pretty much what I was expecting, too. I mean, I I for sure thought Higuain would come in. I actually thought Callum might have a chance to start in the Premier League, but clearly was wrong there. Um, I thought Christensen might play, but, you know, again, it's a big game, and I think Maurizio went with his uh, his preferred lineup, and including bringing Kovacic back in for Barkley. And, you know, I, I was thinking about the uh, the Kepa situation as, as we get into it, but... I think one of the funnier tweets I saw, you know, kind of after all the fallout came off, is uh, someone on Twitter said the most at punishment for Keppa would have been to start the match and on the first dead ball for Maurizio to sub him out for Caballero. Uh, <laughs> that would have been savage. That would have been so savage. But of course, they're not going to waste a sub on that. So um, anyway, yeah, uh, pretty much the same lineup that I expected. Yep. Yeah, the one uh, thing I would say that we were potentially expecting to see was Emerson you know, had a great performance you know, in the left-back position, so he was rested. So it seems like maybe Mauricio is managing him a little bit. Alonso comes back out in from the cold to uh, you know adjudicate himself, as it were, in front of the Chelsea faithful in a very, very big match. So, yeah, from a possession standpoint, only 46% possession at home, which is a little weird for Sorry Ball, but worked out. One shot on target. That is right. One shot on target, two goals. I've got a surprise for you. 11 shots total spurs. Guys, this is almost better than the result. Obviously, it's not. They had nine shots, none on target. Which one of you had a stat about that? Uh, I have a stat, and that stat is that is the first time in the Premier League in six years that Tottenham have not had a single shot on target in a match, which is pretty wild to think about a that they've gone six years and not gone with one match that has happened in that capacity and that this team was the one to prevent them from having the shot is probably the also the other crazy thing damn they're, right they're scared they're scared of willie that's what it was they're scared of him <laughs> so the next one we have is yep no other stats really that exciting anyways talking point time goals 57th minute pedro assist sp Laqueta. Maybe you can even give another assist to Yoris for guiding it in so gently. <laughs> Dan, I mean, are we getting, we're getting to the end line. He beat his man and then just smashed it in off the goalkeeper. Exciting times. Well, like, exceptional run, too. And, you know, I think Pedro was getting a little bit of flack at periods of the game. You know, just I think our whole... There was a lot of dead legs on that pitch today. Like I think we could be very honest and transparent that you know some of the players were showing signs of fatigue. Yeah, particularly Hazard, who ended up getting the early sub for William. And again, it's not a knock on them. They played 120 minutes this weekend, and now we're coming in to play 
one of the last slash most decisive matches in where this season was going to head. And Pedro just makes a perfectly timed run to pick up that ball from Dave, you know, cut through the, you know, cuts through the defenders at a perfect time, works his way around in through the box, creates the space for himself, just pushes it, pushes it in forward. Like it was absolutely perfect. And it was the opportunity you wish you, he had taken maybe this uh, this weekend and maybe was reflecting on that and thinking, oh, I could show up people that I could do better. And he did so. And I think our friend Jake Cohen was saying that this season, Pedro's averaging one goal every uh, 180 minutes right now, 160 minutes right now. So it's about good for one goal every other game, which is a, yeah, would put him in a pretty good position if he could kind of maintain that average throughout the remainder of the season. I have to give credit to the uh, Chelsea USA Twitter account uh, for saying that Pedro borrowed a little bit of nutmeg from uh, N'Golo Conte's spice rack, which uh, uh, knowing the triple nutmeg that was pulled off in the Carabao Cup game, that was a uh, a quite funny tweet. So uh, big up on them. Yeah, love that. Uh, Next one up, 84th minute, just when things were getting close. Kieran Trippier decides to uh, pick his head up, find the goalkeeper, slot it past him, far post, right on the ground, no chance for him, especially he couldn't even use his hands, Nick. What in the hell was he doing? I have no idea, but great pressure from William and also great awareness to not steal the own goal and to really let that insult to injury rub in the wound. Uh, I think we can all say it was a fantastic finish. You know, just really gently, calm, calm finish. Uh, Joe Tweeds, uh, our good friend, pointed out that if you're playing five aside, that's the perfect kind of far post finish that you'd that you'd want. Um, but look, obviously, it was a terrible mistake. Um, and in a season in which it's it has seemed that we have made all of the mistakes, it was nice to be on the other side of one. <laughs> like honestly, I, I, I just you know it. It seems like teams always bring their best, and I know Brandon made this point, uh, you know, a while ago. But it always seems like you know opposing goalkeepers or this second string goalkeeper that we up, are up against have a worldie against us. It, it has felt like the momentum has been kind of against us all season, and you know, look. I, it's sweeter because it's Spurs. It's sweeter because Kieran Trippier is a really good footballer, and I'm not going to hear another word about that. He is, and you know, to beat them in a in a very crucial match, and we made no bones about that either on our on our Monday show, is awesome. You know, I think Chelsea deserved to win. We probably deserved to win by one goal to nil. If you don't have a shot on target, Spurs, and it was nice to to be gifted one and to keep that goal diff up, Dan. Yeah, I, I do want to say we're missing out on the great assist. You know, if Drew hadn't played that ball to Trippier the right way, you know, just really <laughs> flick that forward, wouldn't have put him on a goal. So I, th- I think we got to make sure that the Frenchman gets his credit for continuing to find ways to assist, uh, you know, our strikers. And uh, wait, hey, look, that Chelsea Twitter rumor um, article that they keep on running, I feel like next week is going to be like Trippier to Chelsea swap this summer. New striker identified? Question mark. <laughs> Ooh, there it is. <laughs> oh, there's your there's your uh, overblown rumor for the uh, for the day. I mean, overblown. I mean, exaggerated. It's, it's it's the best part of the season. I mean, 
did Chelsea tweet about it? Is it verified? <laughs> All right. Oh um, weird, weird situation with the whole uh, Chelsea FC Twitter account tweeting speculative news stories about transfers and things, especially post transfer ban. But hey, whatever. Uh, I don't know what they're up to. We'll figure it out. All right. So first question, which I think is probably the most obvious one that we could have is, what about the response of the team? I mean, let's be honest. Sunday, it was a great performance on the field until the Kepa gate happened. And then it just spiraled. The penalties weren't really... It was, it was still a distraction, and then it blew up after the match. I mean, I don't even think Pep had to talk about the fact that they didn't score that game because everyone just wanted to talk about the substitution or the lack thereof. So... Nick, from a mentality and response to the team, you know, Maurizio was asked after Sunday, you know, do you still have control of the team? And he's like, yeah, look at what happened on the pitch, of course. Did tonight back that up to you in the sense that the players were playing with heart and inspiration uh, and Maurizio's style? Or do you think they just got up because it was Spurs? I mean... Whatever motivates you, I don't care. Like I, I think the team played good football. So you, you would look at the stats compared to some of our other performances here and be like, oh, they they really had a shit game. Well, that that wasn't the case at all. You know, I think what we said on Sunday remained true for this game, and that Maurizio adapted his style to play against a quality opponent at home in a must win game. And again, we played well enough to win. Except this time, we won. You know, I think it was it pretty much is the same formula. And, I, I you know, I, I think the response was what all the players deserve to give the fans. I mean, the you know, we, we said the fans need to pick up the players. I think that was equally true uh, for, for the players to kind of pay that back. And I think from all accounts and from our friends who were over uh, at the match, that the atmosphere was rocking. You know, Mark Worrell said there was a couple of old chants or, uh, or songs that were sung that, that brought a tear to his eye tonight. And, you know, I think the all of all of this combined it means another resilient performance, another, you know, I think a, another tactical masterclass. You know, Erickson barely has the ball. Kane doesn't have a shot on target. Sun is relatively neutralized. You have Pedro doing the Lord's work on the defensive and offensive ends. Like, Amen. Th- this is, well, I don't know what more you could want, you know, if you're, if you're being realistic about the situation. February is now over, thank God. And then the fixture list lightens up a little bit. And Dan, I, I don't know, man. Like, seemed like a pretty good performance overall, like, good response. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at this at the start of February when the results had not been good, this was circled on the calendar for many Chelsea fans in in red as the big date left in the month. Obviously, the Carabao Cup was an opportunity to win a trophy, um, but as we discussed, it's not necessarily going to bring you into out of Europa League and back into Champions League. So from an important standpoint... This was always going to be the biggest match we had left to play in the Premier League for the month of February. And to end the month, a month that has been rife with speculation about players with a transfer ban being placed on the club, 
with the manager being under daily questioning of will he, won't he go, with speculation of individuals coming to replace him, Steve Holland, Frank Lampard. You know, I'm sure at some point we've gotten, uh, you know, other kind of names linked as well. Zidane, this was the perfect panacea to Chelsea fans, Chelsea supporters, to the players, to the manager, to everyone in the hierarchy. Must be fist pumping, must be high fiving one another, cheers and glasses, because this is the shot in the system that I think fans needed to see, players needed to be able to execute on, and the manager needed to have to show to everyone that there is still an ability to take what is here and move it over the line to get into a top four situation, uh, Brandon. I think there's credit goes to every player and the manager for having a willingness to finally show some flexibility and adapt to make this happen. Right. And I mean, you can't take away the fact that these most of these guys, a lot of these guys played 120 minutes days ago against Manchester City, another high press team, went out against Spurs tonight, played a high line, high energy. I mean, that takes a lot out of a team. And if you don't have a lot of belief and motivation, it's really easy to justify it and be like, I'm tired. I just played a game and a half a few days ago. I'm not up for it. But resiliency and they just looked, I mean, the, the silly way to put it is they just looked up for it. They were just ready to go. Um, and they were happy to do the running, which is fantastic to see. And it was a lot of defensive running as well. You know, well, and and look, I I know we we talked ad nauseum about Kepa, right? And not only you know Dan mentioned that the club find him, and he was also sat for today. I, sorry, took a risk there. He he did. Like we we called that out on the show on Monday as well. That he's kind of in a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't scenario. But I think he was more worried about you know his professional pride than you know necessarily you know who was starting in goal tonight and you know credit to willie who who did all the things he needed to do to to keep a clean sheet but you know it's it it was a risk and the team bought in and and i think you know the the best case scenario here is that we all get to just move on from that whole story keppa has come out and apologized to his teammates and to the fans and to Maurizio. okay done deal like we we can all move on from that and the team comes out today and wins another important game. So, you know, I, I think with all of the shit that happens around this club and, and there's always drama around this club that this was the best case scenario, uh, which is, you know, a departure from where we were or how we were feeling on, on Sunday, Brandon. Yeah, it's, uh, it sure is. It, it You know, I was kind of thinking about this today. It'll be really interesting to see what happens the rest of the season. Like, is this a sign that all of a sudden Chelsea are going to go on a run, play as a team, like Maurizio, it's going to finally click? Maybe he just didn't predict long enough out until it happened. And if for some weird reason, Dan, that the team comes out of all of this turbulence and takes an upswing and starts, you know, climbing the table into fourth and winning games and things. What a weird season it's going to be to look back on. I mean, obviously we have no idea at this point, but if it just turns around and the next three months are great, that's going to be really freaking weird. 
It's weird, but it's it's Chelsea, right? It's you know we talked about again, like we're we're being super self-referential. So sorry for all those who are listening who are hearing us throw kickbacks to pods that you may have not listened to yet because it is a short week. But ultimately, we talked about the fact that there's a roller coaster mentality to being a Chelsea supporter, and it is glorious at the highs and frustrating at the lows and exhausting at how quick the it's not even an elevator up or down or an escalator. It is. It can be an absolute, like, uh, you know, just complete roller coaster ride. And so, you know, I think you you have to take this moment and enjoy it. And if it does kickstart a positive trend in the right direction, you know, yes, I'm happy for it. I'm beyond excited. And if it doesn't, you know, then I think there's still questions that we'll have to go back and answer. But in this moment, in this evening, as we record. I'm just going to be extremely, extremely happy and feel optimistic for the first time in probably the better part of a month, which is well, which is good to see. Part, part of the reason that I'm optimistic is because I think Sarri has sacrificed possession for possession's sake to have the team sit a little bit deeper so there's not as big of a gap or as high of a line as, as maybe we would have played Otherwise, I mean, there have been games this season where David Luiz and Antonio Rudiger haven't left the opponent's half for minutes at a time. So I, I think he's he has been willing to make a change. Obviously, how we play against Fulham on Sunday will be a different deal because they're, they're terrible. But he's been willing to make a significant change to his playing style, which is good. Now, you know, the, the team have responded. That's what I'm optimistic about because if he does that at – Liverpool at United. Those were our two biggest games left in the year. Who knows? Maybe maybe we come out with equally good performances, Brandon. I, it, it's it's yet to be seen. We got time. We got time to figure it out, and that is okay. Obviously, quick special shout-outs to uh, Marcos Alonso and Pedro for making massive tackles uh, defensively in the second half. I mean, Nick, you kind of funnily mentioned how Willie did we had to do to get a shutout. They had no shots on goal. So, yeah, he did. <laughs> Thankfully, it was easy for him. Um, but, yeah, the the fact that Pedro was able to get back, uh, tackle Erickson right before he pulled the trigger about 12 yards out, and then he gets up, absolutely deeks human song at the top of the box, and we're off on a counterattack. It was awesome. Oh, he had he had two take ons after a tackle <laughs> inside, like, <laughs> like deep inside the box. Yeah, like th- that's insane, and they were both different styles of like uh, of 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 take on. So he had a little bit of a back heel move. He had a little step over move. I mean, it was it was beautiful. And like you're, the question you're asking yourself as you're watching this, Dan, is like, where has this confident Pedro been? Like he hasn't looked that way in a long time. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, again, I think some of it could be attributed to the form that the some of the entire team has kind of undergone and experienced, but I'm not going to besmirch the man for showing up when it matters. And, you know, I think, yeah, we still have to solve long-term for what the winger position is going to look like, especially with, you know, whatever it is happening with Callum and Eden and, you know, William being at the end or near the end of a contract, Pedro being extended for one more year. So again, let's see. It was a great result today. Even the fact that like our expected goal was like point point six, and 
Spurs was 0.4, and we just we took the one chance that came to us, and then the Trippie chance, which was the extra bonus, and Spurs didn't. So credit where credit is due. The team executed the defensive strategy, gave up the possession effectively, and really just, you know, again, positive momentum to carry forward into our next match. All right. Well, you know what? I think the next one uh, will have to kind of come in a second. Uh, We're going to do a quick ad break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about the defensive shape of Chelsea and also what this means from a top four breakdown. All right. So defensively, I think this is a really big point, Nick, in the fact that Chelsea have now posted two shutouts in a row. Also notably against Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur, who have pretty good records of scoring goals, obviously. So I the it's kind of weird. I got so caught up in just the emotion of beating Spurs and it being <laughs> intense that I didn't really watch as much of the tactical side of the of it as I normally do. I know a huge issue that we've had, uh, especially thinking back to the Manchester United match, is the imbalance of our midfielders. So normally you kind of chop the midfield up into thirds lengthwise. And tactically, you want to make sure that you're in at least two of the three zones because you assume if it goes from light left to right, you have time to adjust. Unfortunately, all of our center mids lately have been in one zone, leaving the other two open. Shout out to Newman for his tactical videos. Also, I think that I didn't get to watch that today, but that's been a huge issue. Also, from a personnel standpoint with Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte, Conte probably playing a little bit deeper today just to help kind of restart the or win the ball and go to counterattacks. Whatever it is, this is an, a night and day difference in a very short amount of time, which to me I think is really impressive. I don't know what Maurizio's done, but to go from the worst defensive side in the top six to looking like the best defensive side in the top six in a matter of two weeks, not even – it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's a far cry from the uh, from the six nil at City four nil uh, Bournemouth. You know. <clears throat> well, yeah. No, it, look, when you play a little bit deeper, and, and we clearly are playing a little bit deeper, you close down the amount of space. You know, when the, when the opposing the opposing team goes on a counter attack, you are able to kind of keep your lines a little bit better. Uh, we, we are not so disconnected from midfield to defense to, to goalkeeper. And I think the, the bigger point on this is this is closer to what these this group of players and, and these types of players are used to doing, and it feels more natural to them most likely, than the hyper-aggressive 5-4 result type football. Uh, we played so drilled and consistent under Antonio Conte from a defensive side, playing a little bit deeper, making sure that we had, you know, a very, uh, very acute triangles available, but like passing the ball around the pitch and, you know, grinding out results that I, I don't know, Dan, I feel like, you know, not only is N'Golo a little bit deeper and it's just running like an absolute man possessed, but uh, I feel like the rest of the team is is a little bit more solid at this point. Oh, well, Pedro runs almost 13 kilometers in a match. Jorginho is, you know, right behind him at, you know, mid-12s. Conte is, you know, 12-plus. Our team is covering 
almost every blade of grass on that pitch and putting in a lot of effort to close down passing lanes, to challenge for the ball whenever possible. And if you look at the lines, what we've seen in a couple of the matches prior to this is there wasn't great communication either across the back four or the midfield three, you know, as that kind of moves to a five as, you know, William and then Pedro drop back is that those lines are, you can, you can draw across it. You know, you could, if you needed help drawing a straight line, you can just put it on your television and use the line of the defense or use the midfield line and draw across it. And you're getting a really, really straight and even line, which you were not getting three, four, five, six matches ago. And, you know, to the one point Brandon made, you know, even though we have a bad, you know, defensive record as it relates to how many goals we've conceded. We actually have only conceded 29 to Manchester United's 36 and the Arsenal's 38. I and don't want your conce- stats. I'm, we conceded 35% of our goals in the Premier League this season in one match against Manchester City and one match against Bournemouth. If we, you know, defensively, actually, we haven't given up a lot of opportunities for teams to take a shot on target because we've possessed the ball at a high rate. Um, so what we're trading is we're trading a little bit of possession, which could mean that teams do get some more opportunities to shots on target. That didn't happen today, but could happen in the future. But it seems like we're finding the right balance between holding some pretty rigid lines, which means increased communication on the pitch, which also is giving them a little bit more of an understanding of where, where to be spatially. And that requires maybe a little less you know, particular management to say like, hey, you need to pass here, pass there, pass there. Just be like, hey, get to the right space. And someone like Jorginho or Conte, who I think are owning a lot of the management of where the ball is going and moving the ball forward right now. And Pedro, who is dropping back and then becomes kind of the additional, you know, face in midfield to kind of get that ball moving forward to a Hazard or to a Higuain. I mean, that's another one too. With uh, Gonzalo playing up top, you know, gives the team a much different look. Um, you know, I think Nick, we're still seeing really good signs of his combo play, even, you know, kind of the late parts of the city match. But he's, he's definitely a different look. Giroud coming on late, um, it, which is kind of a surprise. But it, at the end of the day, you know, the, the I, I, I'm honestly kind of at a loss of words just at the balance and how this has changed because. I don't know if this was on accident or on purpose because if it was on purpose, you're like, why haven't we done this before? Maybe something weirdly just clicked with him, um, but it's all it's all it's all good right now. And I think if you take the two games, the last two games overall, and you kind of remove the drama, these are two really really good performances for Maritsu's sorry sake. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was supposed to be sacked, really, was the expectation after today's match. One of the, I think one of the key differences in the last two matches has been when we sit deeper and when we win the ball back in our own half, there is now more room for our two wingers and our forward to attack the defense so you saw you know the the famous Ruben Loftus-Cheek you know bringing the ball down in his own half and then springing Hazard who is not offside that is super annoying but that was that was an example of that and you saw you know even in Pedro's run today there's more room to run behind uh the defense and if we're able to time those passes 
you know, then we have something to then we have something to, to talk about because clearly the shit we were doing around the box and these little intricate passes going to nowhere and all that other stuff that needs a bunch of work to 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 be profitable in the Premier League. You know, springing balls in behind or over the top like Cesc Fabregas used to do Diego Costa or that we've done basically Eden's entire career at Chelsea is stuff not only that we are that we know how to do and would seem pragmatic, but is also very effective and provides more angles for, uh, you know, different runners. And I, I think it's just it's a nice combination of styles. And that does prove to me that whether it's fear for his job or it's just realizing that six nil losses are not acceptable, uh, that Maurizio has changed. And I hope that he continues to show flexibility. I don't think we have to play like this against Fulham on, on Sunday. I don't, you know, I, I love Craven cottage as a venue. It's not the most intimidating place Dan, and they're really bad. So if we ratchet up the possession and we play more in their half and we try and just beat them down and make them make mistakes, maybe we go back to playing his style. And then for the next big game, we go back to playing this style. And that is pretty much what we've hoped and expected from a manager, right? Yeah. I think ultimately we put ourselves in a position to, you know, Joe, our friend Joe tweets talked about the mentality or that, you know, some of the, Steal that Chelsea seemed to be missing reemerged in that match against Manchester City. You know, and even though we've kind of, you know, had a shell, like we had a full kind of body, but we kind of shelled out and just really had the, a husk of it at the moment. It seems like some of the the elements of that are still there. Some of that fight, some of that desire, some of that resolve, and the resiliency is starting to to take shape at the right moment. And so, if the idealist that is Marisa Sari has developed a streak of pragmatism to manage us to the right result, to that top four finish, to put us in a position to have a really successful summer transfer window and then drive us into the next season fully equipped to go out and be adaptable to the situation and let let you know, sorry ball just needs to be winning ball. Like it doesn't need it's not about the manager's name it is about we need to win matches and we will have to do that to effectively go out and claim what is ours which is titles and trophies so it is not about your philosophy it is about being adaptable to give us the best opportunity to go out and win the game every single time and i am glad that he has shown brandon that he is willing now to be more pragmatic than idealistic to get that accomplished no, 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 you don't know that. He's going to come back and do the same damn thing this next week. You just watch and see. He's just messing with us. Oh, I mean, Ranieri's probably going to be out of a job very quickly in the season here as Fulham goes down. So It don't look good for them, but not my problem. All right, so Dan, Mr. Mathematician, Statistician, Probabilitician, what does this mean for the remainder of Chelsea's season? Sorry's future. Most importantly, the thing that ties all that together, the top four breakdown. What are we looking at? All right. So 538, which is a statistical blog, which some people 
you know, have mixed feelings on, and that's up to you to have. But they use a soccer power index and try to compute the end of season probabilities. And I think at this point, Liverpool and Manchester City are locked into finishing in some capacity of one or two. And hopefully for the good that is, you know, keeping the world at least somewhat stable and rotating on its axis, hopefully Manchester City wins. Um, It's right now split 50% to 49% in favor of Liverpool. So that can kind of swing on, uh, you know, the way that the uh, the butterfly flaps its wings. Following that, Tottenham is currently rated at a 82% to finish uh, in the top four. And then it's a little bit of a two-horse race with a third one just trailing a little bit behind with Chelsea at 47% to finish with a spot in the Champions League in the top four, Arsenal at 40%, and then Manchester United at 30 And a couple things play into that. It's the goals allowed previously, it's the quality of the attack, and it's what you're kind of indexed against with the remaining competition. So, you know, we did pull up all the fixtures, Nick, and I think, you know, if we start to look through what's left and also considering the fact that Chelsea have one game in hand relative to all their other top six rivals... I actually am more optimistic than I maybe was previously. And I would wonder how you feel as the one who was probably most um, pessimistic heading into the start of the season. All right. Well, let's let's rattle these off. Okay. Um, we have Fulham. So we have Brighton to be rescheduled. That's their game in hand. We have Fulham on Sunday. Uh, Wolves, Everton, Cardiff should be wins. Win, 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 win. West Ham, Liverpool away, tough. Burnley, home, easy win, knock on wood. Manchester United away, tough. And then we finish with Watford at home and then Leicester away. And, of course, by the time we play Leicester away, Brendan Rodgers' team will just be on a tear. So, <laughs> you know, there, the, a, lot of that, a lot of that schedule's winning. Uh, United have... Uh, let's see, Southampton, Arsenal, Watford, Wolves, West Ham, Everton, City at home, Chelsea at home, back-to-back weeks. That'll be rough. Or no, in the same week, actually. Wow, that's difficult. And then Huddersfield and then Cardiff. So they have three top six remaining opponents. Spurs have Palace at home, Arsenal at home, Southampton, Liverpool away, uh, Brighton, Huddersfield, City away, uh, West Ham, Bournemouth, and Everton. <clears throat> and then, Dan, you didn't put Arsenal in here, which is now, now you're cramping my style. Um, regardless, uh, we have the least amount of uh, top four uh, or top six opponents, and we have a pretty decent run of winnable games, especially as you start to look at Fulham. And Everton's been kind of struggling, and Cardiff is terrible, and West Ham are so up and down that you don't really know what you're getting. Uh, you know, Burnley's terrible, but then they just beat Spurs. You know, I don't know. Yeah, so when it comes to Arsenal, Arsenal have um, Wolves. They play Spurs. Um so they then go away to or United comes to play them. They invite Newcastle in. They go to Everton. They go to Watford. They stay home for Palace. They go to Leicester. They go to Brighton. 
and then they uh, or sorry, Brighton comes to them and then they go to Burnley. So they also have a very like good looking run of fixtures that they should feel pretty comfortable about outside of the matches um back-to-back weeks against uh, Arsenal and United. So they kind of get, in the next two match weeks, their toughest fixtures remaining kind of out of their system. So, you know, I'm probably, you know, in looking at it, looking at, I think, Spurs having a pretty daunting run-in, almost kind of like just sneakily, Brandon, do you think that they could fall out of the top four and we see Chelsea and Arsenal in the top four and United and Tottenham just looking from the outside in? I mean, I think it's to be hard for um, United to relinquish that dominance over Arsenal. I think we're the big disruptors that can still get there. If Tottenham crash out of the top four, I mean, that would be... That, that would be next level, even for them. At this point, next level bottle job. I mean, could you imagine being fake in the fight for the league title and then not even in top four at the end of the season? To me, it really is going to come down to on form, probably still Chelsea and United. But I mean, Arsenal put up a big result today as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, we're we're tied on goal diff with Arsenal now, which is. Really frustrating, uh, considering we had such a significant lead over them in that category for such a long time. And then you have Manchester United, who didn't lose a game for 12. So, of course, they were going to make up their goal diff. But that that is not the certainty anymore that it, that it was, you know, in case of tie. So, I don't know. I mean, the game in hand would put us level with Arsenal should we, should we win it. That's good. But it's still it's a tough run in, man. Like we lost to Bournemouth four yeah. 0 so yep. nothing is nothing is like a settled piece of business here. Yeah, and I mean that's actually where you know at Carabao Cup's done. We're not in the FA Cup like United is, so that's an extra um, thing that they have to consider. You know, they they still have a Champions League uh, match remaining that they have to consider as well. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I I see the path there, and I think if the the next one or two results that we have or matches that we have, if we truly show the appropriate stabilization, um, I mean, this, this is super winnable. Like, right now, you know, if you think about it, to get to what the projection is for 538, it's saying we need 78 points to be in the top four. Which, when you look at some of the past seasons, 75, 76 points has been enough for someone to get into the top four. So, you know, the benefit would be is if Spurs, you know, lose again, you know, or draw, hopefully this weekend, so that Tottenham and Arsenal only pick pick up a point both. Every match you play, now the challenge is you have to earn more points on average per match. Whereas every time we win, if we can win by three, now your average drops down. So if you do have a stumble, if you do have a draw, if you had a loss, unfortunately, you've buffered in some protection there. So Yeah, that's yeah, a luxury we, we I don't hear. foresee us getting. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't have that. Um, you know, th- you know, Tottenham has had that right now, yeah. and two consecutive losses has put them in a position where now they, they have to seriously think that, okay, like, can we really do this? Um can we really stay in the top four? Um, 
Because I don't know, like that would be unpre- almost unprecedented, but you know, never count Spurs out for doing anything uh, other than the absolute worst of what you can expect and then doing it at a level tenfolds worse. So, oh no, I was I was wrong, by the way. We are we are down four in goal differential. Yeah, that sounds more yeah. right. Yeah, so, no, we sorry are. about that. That was that was the uh, the projection from five thirty eight. I was reading instead of the actual. Yeah. Table. So, and not only that, but here here comes worst case scenario. It's gonna be. <laughs> this would be the most. This is the darkest timeline. Or uh, for you, Dan, uh, it'll be uh, Man City, Liverpool, Spurs, Man United, top four. The season will be finished with us in fifth, Arsenal sixth, and we're in the Europa League final against Arsenal. Wow. <laughs> Inception. Inception. What Christopher Nolan if, is Brandon Busby. Oh my gosh. That that would be the worst. But it is kind of nice that that is one thing that us and Arsenal hold over United is that Europa League pathway into Champions League. Like it's not sexy, but it is something that we have as a resource to get into Champions League. And with what looks like on paper a good draw with Dynamo Kiev we'll have to keep watching it and see how it goes. There are still a few good teams in the Europa League, obviously, but um, it's it's a resource that we have at our disposal. And, so, And one thing uh, that will likely be happening around the, the Kiev match at home is we'll most likely have somewhat of a, a stadium closing or ban for a section um, kind of due to some of the shenanigans and racist chants that were heard earlier in the group stages so just keep your eye out for that you know i think they're supposed to hand down a ruling at some point soon um because that match is next thursday so we're already back into it there's no rest of the wicked not in the europa league all right anything else you want to pull out of this match besides more gloating laughing uh just the usual before we do the dan of the match poll you want to have one good group laugh? Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, suckers! Uh, all right, that was good. Sucks I like that. to suck. All right, Dan of the match poll time. Here we go. All right, we um, it's uh, it's back after uh, after turbulent times. We've restored the day on the match poll, and you know we kind of had to ask the question: Who claims top honors tonight? As Chelsea stabilized the ship with a statement win over Bodlers FC. Options were Conte, Pedro. Trippier, and then also a write-in candidate where someone could give us a, a you know a truly third or fourth option. Pedro ran away with it, no surprise. Fifty-four percent of the total vote. Angola Conte edges Trippier twenty-six to eighteen, but you know people people demanded Trippier to be in there. I was not even going to consider it. I was going to take the high road. I was not going to get down to their level. Get in the mud. But you know what? The fans demanded it, Nick. And we saw that Pedro was the clear winner. He was. He played great. And it was kind of unexpected, I think, uh, given that he he passed up a shot that he he would normally take. So it was good to see him uh, put that right tonight for sure. I mean, personally, I would probably go with Keppa just to really annoy people. (laughs) His selflessness by oh. stepping aside and making things right. Uh-huh. Demoted himself uh. back to player. Oh, yeah. Gave the reins back over to Mauricio. Real player's and player. And allowed, allowed Willie to, to take the start. You know, just class act all around. Um, I, the, I don't know if you've ever, if you guys see the Guardians um, 
comic that comes out from David uh, Squires, I think it is, but he did a little comic about the incident and he talked about how Keppa went into witness protection and it shows him you know, walking out of the front of the house with a newspaper in front of him and there's a sign that says Vitesse Arnhem in front of him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, that, that was clever, too. Uh, uh, uh. Mauricio said he's still his number one keeper, and I believe it. All right, so as it stands, the top four, which has now become the top six, is Liverpool in first on 69 points, 28 played. Man City, 28 played, 68 points with a plus six goal difference over Liverpool. Spurs sitting idly in third after 28 played with 60 points. Arsenal tied or staying staying in fourth after 28 matches played on 56 points. Man United fifth, 28 played 55 points. And Chelsea sixth, 27 matches played on 53 points. Wolves climbing up to seventh. Watford down to eighth. Everton, West Ham, Leicester, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Christophus, Burnley, Brighton, Southampton, Cardiff, Fulham, Huddersfield. That is the table as it stands. Obviously, uh, Brighton and us are still one game to make up because that was uh, postponed for the Carabao Cup final this past Sunday. But, boys, it is on. Chelsea are still in the hunt. Um, you know, there's always an extra lift after Tottenham. I I honestly didn't think we'd be sitting here right now being in such good spirits after the loss in penalties. I expect us to come into this dead tired, no motivation, get rolled over again, and we'd be on to a new manager to the end of the season, and we aren't. We are in a much better place, and I am going to soak this up as much as I can, <laughs> because what else are you going to do, Nick? No, that's what you should do. Beating Spurs is great. Uh, beating Fulham on Sunday good you know we we gotta we gotta keep winning you know we said this before like we we to guarantee ourselves a chance to be in the top four not even we don't even control our own destiny right now but to you know give ourselves a a real shot we have to win out (laughs) which is crazy right like it's it's bonkers to think that you'd have to try and beat Liverpool and United on the road and then take care of, you know, the, the rest of your business. But Dan, that's what we have to do. So we got to do it. Yeah. Right now averaging, I think about 2.5 points per game, but the moment you win one more, you're down to 2.2. You win the next one, you're down to, you know, averaging 1.9 per game. So, you know, it, very clear path forward, winnable matches and, you know, think everybody should be excited today take that excitement apply it forward into the coming matches and i think as long as the team works hard you know this this it is all doable it is all comes down to executing the plan and committing to do it as a team and we've seen over the past two matches that is that Mauricio sorry and chelsea and the players are not incapable of putting together a strategy that helps them uh, you know, come come figure out how to beat teams that want to play with possession or allow us to break down teams. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited, Brandon. I think uh, every supporter should be too. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up uh, for this midweek match review. It feels so good. I'm so excited. I hope all of you listen to this and you share it with 17 other people and teach them what it means to be Chelsea over Spurs. Death, taxes, and Spurs bottling it. Am I right, Nick? 
correct. Amen. All right. Well, anyways, that is going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you again so much for listening. All of you, you are the best. We will be back after the Fulham match. I can guarantee you that. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.